0: It is the one thing that can make the global economy go from bad to so much worse. Oil prices are screaming higher, and they're screaming higher because of supply constraints, not because of demand. And higher screaming oil prices tend to crush questionable economies. While the Federal Reserve meets to plot some more dots, markets and recent evidence, along with history, tells us it's about the crushing, and it's about time for the crushing. We go back through recent examples. In fact, I just asked this question not all that long ago. Are oil prices actually deflationary? And what you find is, again, throughout history as well as more and more in the data, the answer is yes. At the very least, disinflationary and more likely to lead to recession and potentially worse if we're not Careful. So again, as the Federal Reserve finishes up its two-day dot plotting meeting, we have oil prices to think about not in terms of inflation, but in terms of overall economic risks. And we can start with a few brief examples of where oil prices led to the opposite way of what you're led to believe. And that's, of course, just last year. We went through this not long ago. Oil prices that screamed higher in March of 2022 and then again April and May of 2022, that didn't lead to the second-grade inflation. Instead, instead, it led to the current bout of disinflation that we have been experiencing for the last year. Oil prices created demand destruction, which eventually broke the economy that was at least before then nominally moving forward. And it set us on this path to where we're now questioning whether or not we're heading for recession, or if we're actually already in it, like some places around the world such as Europe. So not just 2022, where oil prices led to disinflation already. How about 2008? Now, the 2008 oil spike didn't cause the Great Recession, the Great Quote Unquote Recession, of course, but it did lead to the same types of confusion, where people thought the oil price spike was going to be inflationary, forgetting about the whole banking crisis, forgetting about the recession or the questionable economy up until that point. Oil prices were firmly on the agenda of central bankers, the ECB famously raising rates in July of 2008 because they were more afraid of oil than they than they were banks. Hmm, that sounds familiar too. But again, while oil prices didn't cause the Great Recession, they certainly contributed much to making it great. So the banking crisis and credit crunch led to the economic retrenchment, but oil simply helped it along that same deflationary path. And there are further examples uh, throughout history. As I mentioned in the recent video too, uh, the 1970s, oil prices were not the great inflation. Oil instead compounded the inflation of the great inflation twice, once in 1973, 74, and again in 1979. So we already had the inflation, oil prices surge on top, and it led to recession in both cases, where actually consumer price pressures they fell off for a brief little while during the recession in the immediate aftermath before coming back, not because of oil, but because of genuine monetary inflation, banking system, not Federal Reserve. So historically speaking, oil prices, oil price surge, that's not inflationary. And I'll give you one final example, which I think lines up pretty closely before we get into the recent economic data, and that's 1989-90. But before we get into that and the economic data, expectations, what's going on in the marketplace, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships as well as research subscriptions. I do a daily deep dive analysis where we dive deep into all of these topics not just crude oil or inflation but money and macro taking them apart to understand what's going on because we need to know what they mean so that we can we can have a decent idea or at least a reasonable idea of what that what that could potentially lead to in the near term future that's the deep dive analysis it's every day 1200 words 1500 words tons of charts all the information at eurodollar.university I do have to apologize for my voice here today because I'm recovering from a bit of a cold because as many people know, as most travelers know, you get on an airplane, chances are you're going to come back with something. So coming back from the UK caught a little bit of something. Fortunately, it's nothing big, just a little bit of a a head cold, but it has made my already weird voice even more weirder than it normally is. So we're going to go back here to, uh, the middle of 1989 and the early part of 1990. This is pre Saddam Hussein, before Iraq, before most Americans had heard of the country of Kuwait. Essentially we have the Federal Reserve worried about inflation pressures, a tight labor market and was raising rates in 1989, despite the fact that banks were failing. sounds pretty familiar too. So the Cleveland Fed gathered a bunch of economists together to forecast economic, economic potential economic outcomes for the rest of 89 and the, and the balance of 1990 on into the early 19, 1990s. And what they said was, most economists agreed that the Fed was going to engineer a soft landing. From the symposium, uh, what the Cleveland Fed writ, wrote back in June of 89 was, A consensus forecast by 27 economists who met recently at the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland calls for continued slow growth in output and a quote-unquote soft landing for the economy through 1990. However, their projected inflation rate is relatively intractable and prospects for lower inflation in the near future do not appear promising. Sounds familiar again. It continued, Therefore, if the growth rate of the economy revives to or above the growth rate of potential output in the second half of 1990, as indicated in the consensus forecast, which is always wrong, the 4.5% inflation rate that is now expected would become the base from which the inflation rate in the early 1990s will build. And of course, inflation did the opposite of those projections because the economy, which was already weakened by the SNL crisis and the credit crunch that was developing and becoming more severe heading into 1990, that put it into a questionable position, which most economists always interpret as soft landing. And then along comes Saddam Hussein and his invasion of Kuwait, surging oil prices, which didn't lead to more inflation. In fact, they led to less consumer prices because the economy, which was already in recession by the time the evasion happened, by the time the oil price spike went up, went further into recession, leading to the opposite of what they were talking about, operating below potential, lots of macroeconomic slack, therefore less consumer prices. So the oil price surge in, in the middle of 1990 did not lead to great inflation too, as many people had worried. And instead it led to lower consumer prices throughout the 90, the early, uh, throughout 1990, 91, and then the magic of the great moderation from there on. Oil prices are not inflation and surges in oil prices are more likely to bring about disinflation if not deflation and certainly recession. For most people, the question is whether or not the Federal Reserve knows this. And honestly, who cares? It only matters in how far the Fed is going to get in interest rates, in their interest rate heights, and how long they're going to maintain them. Their dots are usually unhelpful because they don't, they, they begin their dot plotting from all of the same assumptions that you saw at the Cleveland Fed in 1989, or you saw, or you heard from me recounting from the Cleveland Fed in 1989. Those those haven't changed despite 30-some years of contrary evidence piling up all along the way so the fed is thinking about inflation in terms of the phillips curve and expectations and maybe oil prices can uh can can are in danger of unanchoring expectations but in the real economy we're already in a questionable state because we're talking about a soft landing And if you're talking about a soft landing chances are the landing isn't going to be soft anyway and then along comes another oil price surge which is unhelpful to say the least. So it isn't surprising that in data as well as markets, we aren't seeing anything like a surge of inflation expectation or a surge of inflation anywhere else. You look at commodities, for example, outside of crude oil. Copper is a perfect example. Copper has been just kind of languishing here despite stimulus hopes in China, despite oil price, despite the soft landing rhetoric, Copper is more more likely to, is more signaling trouble than not. And when you compare copper to gold, the copper to gold ratio, which is a measure of deflationary inflationary potential, if copper is doing better relative to gold, the economy is likely doing better, more demand, more price pressures, uh, gold being a hedging instrument, then copper to gold ratio rising, generally speaking, that's more likely to be conducive to inflation pressures, at least the economy that economists think are consistent with inflation pressures, but we don't see that either. Copper to gold actually fell early part of this year, fell further during the initial stage of the banking crisis. Then around uh, May, First Republic, afterward, the market starts or sense the, a lack of urgency or less urgency in the banking crisis, therefore deflation potential. And copper to gold start, came up a little bit, but not all that much. It's still much lower than it had been last year, and it's been basically steady since the middle of May or so. So throughout June, July, and especially August and September with oil prices on the rise, copper to gold ratio has been remarkably steady, more disinflationary and risk of deflation than not. So that's another key one suggesting oil prices are just supply, not demand. Another one I've talked about recently that we need to repeat over and over again, the tips market, because the tips market gets paid. The inflation protection in its name gets paid by the CPI and the CPI is largely impacted and influenced by oil prices. There are other factors, of course, too, but oil is a big input into movements in the CPI. So if you're trying to get paid by the federal government for inflation protection, it pays to know what the CPI is going to do over the period you're going to hold that instrument, the TIPS instrument. So inflation break-evens, or the break-even rates in the TIPS market, tell us something about market expectations for the CPI, which incorporates oil prices. And what we've seen in the tips market is usually what we see is tips, break-evens, and WTI move in near lockstep fashion. Not exactly. They're not perfectly correlated, but close enough because of that setup. There's obviously been a couple key differences going back to last June, where the last oil's price spike May into early part of June pushed oil up when break-even rates started to fall because the economy, or because the market, and participants in the market correctly surmised that that last oil price spike in the economy was going to be disinflationary as it proved to be. And we're seeing that again here recently. WTI is screaming higher to, its, to now it's back around $92 a barrel, uh, which is almost the highest level it's been in over a year. Yet breakeven rates The medium and longer term break-even rates, the short-term rates are higher, but the medium and longer term break-even rates, which are the key ones, they aren't moving that much higher. They're moving higher off their early September lows, but they're only getting back to where they were in in the middle of August and aren't even really where they were at the early part of August and late part of July. Instead, break-even rates continue to diverge substantially from WTI and oil prices, which tells us. The market is expecting disinflation to result from this oil price surge for the same exact reasons. We have a questionable economy where even policymakers are questioning whether or not they can hit the soft landing. You never hit a soft landing. And now along comes supply-stricken oil, thanks to Saudi Arabia, and it leads to another headwind on the economy that we can't actually handle. Not just the U.S., but the global economy. Not just the global economy, but the U.S. economy. It's globally synchronized oil price pain. And an oil price surge that's likely going too far. It's not just the tips uh, tips market either. It's not just copper to gold. We also have uh, macroeconomic evidence that's come in suggesting consumers themselves feel the same way about the potential Effect from oil prices. The University of Michigan surveys of consumers that came out just recently, very recently, for the month of September. This is September when oil prices and gasoline prices are rising, are surging. According to the CPI, gasoline prices was up, were up huge in the month of August. They haven't gone, they haven't gotten any better in September. So the University of Michigan survey of consumers showed rising short-term price expectations? No. They actually declined and declined substantially. According to their numbers, the one-year ahead expectation for consumer prices was down to 3.1% in September from 3.5% in August and it was 3.4% in July. That's the lowest since for September. That's, that's the lowest in September for any month going back to March of 2021. And it was the same in the longer term expectations too. Consumer price expectations going five years ahead, those tumbled to 2.7% from where it had been at 3% three straight months beforehand. 2.7% five-year expectation ties last September for the lowest since early 2021, and that's down among the lower-end disinflationary range that prevailed throughout the 2010s. So consumers, despite rising oil prices, at least those that are talking to the University of Michigan survey, they're saying, no, we see oil prices, we see gasoline, but we're not figuring more price pressures across the board, across consumer prices. In fact, we think it's going to lead to somewhat less price pressures, which again, consistent with tips, markets break even, consistent with our historical pattern. It was also interesting that consumer consumer confidence number also fell in the month of September down to 67.7. This is University of Michigan from 68.5 in August and 71.6 in July. And again, unlike last year in 2022, consumer confidence isn't falling because of prices, because price expectations have declined. Consumers are getting more and more concerned about the questionable economy. Consumers in the U.S. joining their counterparts around the rest of the world, more and more concerned about the questionable economy, and oil is just going to make it that much more miserable and worse. We got another survey just before that. This is August data, and it comes from the Federal Reserve branch in New York. So this is Fed data, and it showed similar results for August. Now, the median one-year-ahead price expectation for consumers did rise, but minimally, from three and a half, 3.55% in July, just to 363 in August. So similar sort of results. And also the three-year-ahead expectation, FRBNY data, that was 2.91%. And it fell to 279 in August, despite oil and gasoline prices. So another consumer survey confirming, corroborating the idea that more oil leads to less consumer prices, less consumer price increases. So we have history, we've got data, we've got consistent theory. The Federal Reserve's dots don't matter here. We've got oil prices that are rising strictly because of supply, not demand in a questionable economy, and we've seen this movie before time and time again. Consumers and TIPS participants and treasury markets and forward rate markets, we've seen this movie time and time again, and it doesn't end in the great inflation. Like 2022, only this time with a more questionable and weaker economy, an oil price surge is going to add to the disinflationary pressures that are already there and have been building underneath the credit crunch and banking crisis, let's not forget about those. So one last oil surge is likely, more likely than not, according to all of our data, according to history, to lead to the opposite of inflation, not higher for longer, what inversions are pricing. If you wanna see the video I did just recently where I asked the question, Are oil prices actually disinflationary? Check out the link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers and our Eurodollar University members. Again, apologies for my voice. And until next time, please do take care.